Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast, where this week we are privileged to have Pastor Aaron Dowds giving a great message. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you doing? Enjoying the service? Wow. Weren't it... Weren't the youth just amazing? I'm just so grateful to so many people today. Uh, Marco's already mentioned so many people, but I love seeing people's God-given gifts using. And um, Dave and Helen Lythe, I've got God-given gifts with uh, plants and flowers. Look at this, giving them up for Dave and Helen Lythe. Isn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Dave and Helen Lythe. Uh, thank you to um, Marco. Isn't Marco a shining star? And. Uh, Marco is packed full of God-given creativity and talent, and uh, we just love seeing that passed on as well, and, and seeing uh, the younger generation coming up, and of course, seeing the singing, seeing the children singing was just wonderful and, and truly beautiful. Um, so we're going to have our Christmas message now, and I'm going to put my stop, stopwatch on, so uh, I, I don't speak for too long, so give me, just give me a wee second. I quite enjoy watching the Michael McIntyre Saturday night show because it's usually suitable for all the family and it's something that we can all laugh at together. And they do something called Send to All. I don't know if you know it. It's um, they get someone's mobile phone and Michael McIntyre makes up a very funny text and then clicks Send to All. So I thought I would do that with you and Mitchell this morning. (laughs) I'm only joking, I'm only joking. (laughs) He just... (laughs) No, no, um, that, that's for next year. That's for next year. So this morning, Jesus, the light of the world. In fact, I don't think I need this. George, I'm going to switch mics a wee second. Let's try this. That powerful moment that that baby came forth in that stable. I love watching that movie clip. And it helps to, to really make it, bring it alive. You know, but God said it would be better George, you just want me to uh, give up. We'll give it one more minute, and if if you give me two hands up, George, that means swap back to the other mic, and I can do that for you. My apologies, because I should have sound tested this, so it's my fault. So I'm just going to switch to this one. Switch to this one, okay? Okay. Apologies about that, George. I should have sound tested that before. So, you know, Jesus was born. A candle was lit. A light went off. But Jesus said it'd be better that he would return to the Father because he didn't want one light going around the earth. Jesus' idea, Jesus' and God's desire is that there would be millions of candles, millions of light lit up and going off all around the world and walking around the world. Jesus would be the very first light upon the earth. But through his life, his birth, his life, through his death on that Roman cross, through his resurrection, his ascension back up to the Father, and through the pouring out of his Holy Spirit, his desire that is upon all those who follow him, his Holy Spirit would come and he would release the light of life into millions of followers that would walk all across the world. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, we're told that you are the light 
of life. You will have the light of life. You have, you are the light of life. John tells us that all who believed him and accepted him were given the right to become children of God. Jesus' followers become children of God. And that is why they are now the light of the world because they have God living inside them. God who is light now lives inside and we're like little candles called to light up the dark parts of the world in which we are living and brought up. And we reflect the light of God into the world. When we live our lives reflecting the light, it allows others to see him as a God of love. We reveal God to the world. Jesus came to the earth as the light of the world, but we know that he returned to the Father. And now you reflect his light into the world. One thing we know about light, it transforms darkness. You don't need to get rid of the darkness. You need to light a candle. You need to bring light in to the darkness. And the light of Jesus brings love. That light brings love. The light brings compassion. The light brings justice. And it brings transformation to the darkness in our social and political structures, to darkness in families, to darkness in countries and nations, to the world. Light transforms the darkness. Jason Gray says in his lyrics, God put a million, million doors in the world for his love to walk through. And one of those doors is you. You're a door for the love of God to walk through in so many different situations of your day-to-day lives. This Jesus, he was born in a manger. He lived a life of sacrifice and compassion. He died on a cross as a sacrifice and out of compassion. He was raised to life. He started his new creation. Jesus on the cross said to tell us die. From the cross he said, it is finished. Well, what was finished? The work that he had come on earth to do was accomplished as new creation. That is what he came to earth to do, to bring his kingdom, to start creation all over again. It echoes Genesis chapter two on the sixth day when creation was finished and God entered his rest. Now Jesus from the cross, he tells us that it is finished. His new creation is finished. And in fact, it's ready to begin. Jesus, the Messiah, had come to save his people. But he didn't come quite as his followers expected. They expected a powerful, mighty military leader that would conquer the Roman oppressors. But Jesus came humble, born in a stable, riding on a donkey. He did become king, but not the king that they expected are wanted but you can be assured he is king 
N.T. Wright, he sums it up like this in his book, Simply Jesus. Just as in Mark and elsewhere, the bystanders at the cross mock Jesus and challenge him to come down from the cross if he is the Son of God. But John's readers and Mark's readers know by now that it is because he is the Son of God that Jesus must go to the cross, that he must stay there. He must drink the cup to the dregs. And he must do so in order to rescue people, sorry, he must do so not in order to rescue people from this world for a faraway heaven, but in order that God's kingdom may be established on earth as it is in heaven. This baby born in a manger came not just to save us for a faraway heaven, but he came that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven may be established on earth, that earth here and now may be transformed by those who are humble like Jesus. But those who follow him, he goes on to say, that is why in John's account, the last words of Jesus are reported as being, it's all done. In other words, it's accomplished or it's completed. The echo is of Genesis at the end of the sixth day. God completed all the work that he had done. And the point was not to rescue people from creation, but to rescue creation itself. Jesus came to rescue mankind, but he came to rescue and transform the earth on which we exist and live. And that's what his followers continue to do and believe today. They continue to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. They continue to shine the light in the darkness all across the world. He says, now and only now and only in this way can new creation come about. Let's give it up for Jesus. You see, Jesus is the king. Maybe hard to believe, but Jesus is king. He is on his throne. He rules and reigns over the world through the hearts and minds of his followers on earth. His light is released into the world when his followers choose to accept and follow him and choose to follow a life of sacrifice and love that he modeled. The way Jesus' kingdom is established on earth is when his followers follow his will for their lives. His kingdom comes when his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how his kingdom would come. That's how transformation would come. That's how transformation would come to relationships, to families, to homes, to villages, to cities, to nations, to international relations, to the, literally to the earth. Jesus was born to save mankind from darkness and bring them into the light, that they could go back into the darkness and transform the darkness, not wearing to heaven, just holding tight, sitting fast, trying to stay pure and holy and just hold tight till they get to heaven. No, he lit a light in all of us so that we can go out and here and now and make this world a better place that we live in, that we can transform the social and political structures even. We can transform relationships with the power of the light that is in us. But that light must not be hidden. It needs to get into the darkness. It needs to let the light shine for the world to see. And then they'll glorify the Father in heaven. His intention is not that we sit around and wait, but his will is this. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No Christian can hide away. 
No Christian can hide away in homes and churches. That's not what light is created to do. It's created to go into the darkness. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Let your good deeds shine. Let your good deeds shine. If there's anybody that should be known for good deeds, it's the Christians. The Christians were once known as do-gooders, and it became a derogatory term. But once again, the church, Jesus' followers, need to be known as the people of good deeds, the people of kindness, the people of love, the people of compassion, the people who care, the people who are changing political and social structures, the people who are transforming lives and situations. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Let your good deeds shine. Let your good deeds shine for all to see that your heavenly, that everyone will praise your Father who is in heaven. Now stop clock. You're not meant to go off. See, Jesus is the light of the world. He's come to renew creation. He's come to bring his kingdom rule to this world, to transform the darkness, to reflect his light, to bring you and I are called to bring his love, his mercy, his compassion, his justice to the world. Jesus wants his followers to let good deeds shine for all to see. This brings transformation to individuals, villages, homes, families, cities, nations, and literally to all the world. And you may be sitting there thinking, this sounds maybe a little bit too pie-in-the-sky, cerebral, philosophical theology that has no practical outworking in the day-to-day lives of the real world. But no, nothing could be further from the truth. This truth has changed the very fabric of society and culture in which we live today. One of the greatest examples struck me today. If Jesus Christ never came, Wilberforce would never have been transformed because he was totally transformed by this baby that was born in his manger. He was totally transformed by a spiritual encounter with him and by hearing his teaching and applying his teaching, so much so that he radically transformed his priorities of time and money. And he is the one person that is credited with the abolition of the slave trade in Britain and across the world. That is just one example of someone who has followed Jesus' encouragement and endorsement to be light in the darkness. He's one of the greatest examples of reflecting his light into the world. He was a Yorkshire lad. And over 1,700 years after Jesus' death, he would come to faith in Jesus. It radically transformed his life. He was simply the greatest social reformer in the history of the world. The world he was born into in 1759 and the world he departed in 1833 were as different as lead and gold. In his book... Amazing Grace, Metaxas says, that's because Wilberforce's, let me go back one, sorry. Now, Wilberforce, he had a spiritual experience as a child that came out of tragedy. At eight years old, he lost his older sister who was 12. Very shortly after, his father died. And then his mom took severely ill. And little William, at that young age, was sent to go and live many miles away with his auntie and uncle. 
because his mom couldn't look after him. But you see, God had plans for him during this time. During the darkest moment and experience of his life, God had plans. This is where he would get his first exposure to real Christian faith, and he would get his exposure to the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, John Newton. It says in the book, that's because Wilberforce's aunt and uncle, that was the people that he was sent many miles to stay with after his brother, after his sister, his father died and his mum became very ill. Wilberforce's aunt and uncle, quite unbeknownst to his mother and grandfather, were at the epicenter of a spiritual renaissance in England at the time. They were close friends with one of the greatest figures of the 18th century, George Whitfield, the principal human force behind the social earthquake known as the Great Awakening, which transformed not only England, but the 13 colonies across the Atlantic. They were also very close with John Newton, another larger than life figure who most of the world knows today is a former slave ship captain who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. It was he who'd have given little Wilberforce his first knowledge of slavery. So Wilberforce, he gets an interest in Christianity through his aunt and uncle, but his mum wasn't happy about this because the Methodists had a bad reputation. And so his mother managed to get him back and try to knock it out of him. And he did put his faith to one side for many years, growing up and going to Cambridge University where he became a student. But sometime later he had another incredible spiritual experience through another believer. And it radically transformed him. And he gave his life to Jesus. And it changed radically how he spent his time and his money. I just want to read a little bit about this book. I want to close after that in a video clip and we're getting ready to finish with a final song as well. This is a wee bit of a lengthy quote, but I trust that God will inspire you. In typically humble fashion, Wilberforce would have been the first to insist that he had little to do with any of it. The facts are in 1785, at the age of 26, and at the height of his political career, something profound and dramatic happened to him. He might say that almost against his will, God opened his eyes and showed him another world. Somehow, Wilberforce saw God's reality, what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven. He saw things he had never seen before, things that we quite take for granted today, but that were as foreign to his world as slavery is to ours. He saw things that existed in God's kingdom, God's reality, but in, not, but in human reality were nowhere in evidence. He saw the idea that all men and women are created equal by God in his image and are therefore sacred. He saw the idea all men are brothers and that we are all our brother's keepers. He saw the idea that one must love one's neighbor as oneself and that we must do unto others as we would have them do unto us. These ideas are at the heart of the Christian gospel. They've been around for at least 18 centuries by the time Wilberforce encountered them. Monks and missionaries knew of these ideas and lived them out in their limited spheres, but no entire society had ever taken these ideas to heart as a society in the way that Britain would. It's important to understand our British culture, how it was formed and shaped in some of the great qualities that we have in our social care structures 
and the origins of them because it wasn't always this way. Britain was a terrible place in the 18th century. They used to burn women literally and dissect humans on the street. It wasn't a nice place to live. But that's what Wilberforce changed forever. As a political figure, he was uniquely positioned to link these ideas to society itself, to the public sphere, and public sphere for the first time in history was able to receive them. And so Wilberforce may perhaps be said to perform the wedding ceremony between faith and culture. We had suddenly entered a world in which we would never again ask whether it was our responsibility as a society to help the poor and the suffering. We would only quibble about how and the details, about whether to use public funds or private, for example. But we would never again question whether it was our responsibility as a society to help those less fortunate. That had been settled. Today we call this having a social conscience, and we can't imagine any modern civilized society without one. And once this idea was loosed upon the world, the world changed. Slavery and the slave trade would soon be largely abolished. Well, actually, it took 20 years in the House of Commons. 20 years Wilberforce was defeated in the House of Commons. They voted against abolition because they had uh, economical interests that they would lose money. 20 years. He battled. And then it took him another 20 years for emancipation, for all those slaves to be freed. 20 years to end the slave trade. Another 20 years of battling for emancipation. And all because a light was born in a manger. And this man, Jesus Christ, this man took his teaching, he believed his teaching, and he applied his teaching. For the first time in history, groups sprang up for every possible social cause. Wilberforce's first great object was the abolition of the slave trade, but his second great object, one might say, was the abolition of every lesser social ill. The issues of child labor and factory conditions, the problem of orphans and widows, of prisoners and the sick, all suddenly had champions and people who wanted to help those less fortunate themselves. Last slide, at the center of most of these social ventures was the Clapham Circle, an informal but influential community of like-minded souls outside London who plotted good deeds together. And Wilbur Self himself was at the center. At one point, he was linked with 69 separate groups dedicated to social reform of one kind or another. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He went back to heaven so that his followers could now receive the light of life in them. And so there'll be millions of lights all around the world. The light changes the way that we think. It transforms our priorities. It renews our mind like it did for Wilberforce. Remember what Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. This was an incredible revolution when this baby born in a manger lived his life, died on a Roman cross, was raised from the dead. His new creation began and his followers all around the world have been lighting lights ever since. And you might say, well, 
that's a bit too high and lofty in an example for me. I'm not in the House of Commons. You know what? You can be in the car wash and speaking to the young man in the car wash as I was on Friday. And you're asking how his day's going, and he said it's going terrible because the other geezer's not shown up. And I've been washing cars all morning. I can't even get a break for my cup of tea. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Not even had a cup of tea yet. And I drove through the car wash and felt I should go and ask him. I drove round and interrupted him and says, what do you drink, tea or coffee? I'm going to the baker's. Oh, you don't have to do that. What do you drink? Cappuccino. Go to Tim Hortons and I was shocked at the price for a coffee and a donut. I contemplated going back to Asda and getting four for a pound. I was like, 169 for one donut. You're kidding me on. <laughs> it was that cheap. But I was like, no, you, you give them the best. Dropped it off and all I had was a little Choose Life fl five flyer in my, in my car. Dropped it off and says, there you go, mate. Make sure you stop those car wash. They can wait for five minutes while you sit down and get yourself a coffee and a donut. That's all I had time. He had to rush away and get back to his car wash and there was a whole queue of cars. <laughs> I didn't get time to preach the gospel. I didn't get time to tell him about lots of other things. But what I'm saying is, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. Acts of practical love and kindness, small things as well as the large. But here's the thing, young people, youth. Become all, youth are in school just now. Become all God's created you to be. God's given you gifts and talents. Some of you, God wants to send you into the world of politics, like Wilberforce, to be the light. Some of you, he wants to send you to the top of the education sphere. Some of you are going to hit the arts and the music and, um, and, and, and uh, sports the world. Raise families. The greatest light you can do is raise young children. That's the greatest light. The greatest influence, because they are arrows whatever let's shine our light we're going to finish with this video clip let's just watch this little video clip of the life of Wilberforce and then we're going to come finish with a final song just need some sound on that please George some sound please guys minute. Is George about? Yeah, George, can you see if we can get some? Right, there we go. Sorry. Right, let's, watch, let's finish on this video as an example of letting your, your light shine. Amazing Grace, the movie. And let's have the band back up while this is playing and we'll finish on our last song. I think there's possibly two videos playing, guys. That's not the... Let's try it again.
Let's just uh, let's just stand to our feet. We're going to uh, we're going to uh, pray and finish with a song. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are the light of the world that came to transform the darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for the manger. We thank you for the stable. We thank you for Mary and her faith. We thank you. Jesus, for your life of compassion and love and sacrifice, we thank you. You've called us to be light. We invite you, Lord Jesus, to come. Shine into our lives afresh today. If you don't know Jesus, just put your trust and faith in him. Choose to become a light today. Choose to follow him. Choose to believe he was the son of God who died on the cross for you. Ask him to forgive all the wrong in your life and come into your life. Lord Jesus, we just pray, we just welcome you and ask you to come today in Jesus' name. Let your presence come and fill this place. Lord, let us shine your light in our worlds, in our homes, in our streets, to our lonely neighbors, to everyone we meet, to the person at the cash out, to the people in the car wash, in the fields that you have called us, Lord. Let us follow your great object, your great purpose for our lives. And may your purpose be the burning desire and passion of each one of our lives. Let's show Jesus the biggest round of applause and appreciation for coming into our world today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus.